Welcome to the New Life Podcast, a ministry of New Life Presbyterian Church in Ithaca, New York. Today we have this week's sermon preached by Tim LaCroix, our senior pastor. Join us for worship each week at 10 o'clock at 950 Danby Road, Ithaca, New York. You can also visit us on our website, www.newlifeithaca.org. Now here's this week's sermon. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head And wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. There's, a, there's been a trend recently of people in our culture engaging in periods of fasting and abstinence. You know, in, uh, recently, there's been a, a sober January, I forget the exact word for it, but people basically abstaining from alcohol for the month of January. Uh, there has been a trend among young men to abstain from sexual release during the month of November. And whenever, whenever, I, whenever these things come up, and, and also when people who don't practice the, um, the church year uh, have their periods of fasting and periods of prayer, like... The Pentecostal church that I grew up in will sometimes announce uh, 40 days of fasting and prayer. And I just think to myself, we, we, already, do, <laughs> we already do that. You know, the church already does that. Uh, and when the, when the secular culture is also seeing the value of periods of fasting and abstinence from things that would otherwise be good, uh, I think it really hits on something really human in the fact that we need to have periods of reset in our life. It, it, it's almost like... Uh, uh, it's almost like a, a, a kind of Sabbath, but, but a, a spiritual reset to, to 
to wean ourselves off of the things that we enjoy maybe too much um, and really refocus our life and our hearts uh, on God. And, and when the secular culture is acknowledging that, hey, we need to take a month and not drink or whatever they may abstain from, I think it shows that there's a real human desire, a, a, a real human need for periods of, of reset. Of course, the Christian concept of fasting is not just to reset our bodies or cleanse our, uh, like there's this, the Whole30 maybe you've heard of as a, as a way to sort of cleanse your body of toxins, and I've done it a couple of times myself. Um, but it's not just for physical uh, benefit. It is for spiritual benefit. The, the fasting that we do is essentially a prayer, a prayer to God uh, for him to intervene in the brokenness of this world. Uh, the way I often word it is, you know, in the season of Advent, we lament the brokenness of our world. That's essentially what Advent is about. And we, we call on Christ to come. In the season of Lent, we own our part in the brokenness of the world, right? We, we, we acknowledge that this is our fault, and we fast and pray, crying out to God to deliver us uh, from, well, from the evil in this world. You know, I've been to a, I've been to a lot of Ash Wednesday services, uh, both as a, as a congregant like you are, and also as a minister. And I remember one of the first ones I went to, uh, I think it was at an Episcopal church, and I knew that we were about to receive ashes. And then the, the scripture read is this, the gospel that we read today, which says, don't disfigure your faces, right? It says, don't make a show of your righteousness before people. And I always like, I always wondered about that. You know, I always wondered like, okay, why do we do this? Why, we're about to have ashes on our forehead. We're about to sort of proclaim to everybody that we're about to be doing Lent. And the scriptures seem to warn against it. So how do we settle that uh, how do we settle that in, in our hearts and minds? I think that the, the tenor of the scriptures that we just read is, is definitely saying that the fast that God wants, the fast that Christ wants, is, is not a, a show, does not want a show. He does not want sacrifices that are intended to bribe God. This is a theme uh, all throughout the Old Testament, the, the psalm that we're about to pray together, Psalm 51 goes through this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Uh, so the text that we read today and the text that we're about to pray are, are clear that God doesn't want a religious show, that, that God doesn't intend to be bribed by our, by our outward sh- uh, uh, works. And, and Jesus is uh, inveighing against the Pharisees who are showing their religiosity in order to, to prove their goodness in order to, to gain political and social favor with others. And, but, the, but the Bible does not forbid demonstrations of righteousness altogether. Uh, in fact, the, 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 the sign of ashes is given in the book of Jonah as a sign of repentance of the people of Nineveh. Uh, obviously, God did not reject sacrifices. He wanted people to offer sacrifices, but the point of it is, is that we do it with a sincere heart. If, if the purpose of engaging in Ash Wednesday or Lent is to show people how good we are, then that's the wrong motivation. If our purpose in engaging in these practices is to earn favor with God, well, that's not possible. Uh, yesterday, uh, the, another text that we had uh, prescribed for us, yesterday during morning prayer, we read from Philippians chapter 3. 
And in Philippians chapter 3, I, I think the reason why this comes uh, as the, a New Testament uh, lesson before, on Tuesday before Ash Wednesday is to kind of remind us what we're about to do. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul is talking about his righteousness in Judaism. He says, starting in verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Who is he talking about? He's talking about people who have outward acts of righteousness in order to prove their worth, either with God or with other people. And of course, what he's talking about is circumcision, those who want to insist that it happen. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And then Paul gives his resume. He gives his spiritual resume. He talks about how if anybody could claim righteousness, he, it, was, it would be him. He talks about how he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, how according to the law, he was a Pharisee, the most rigorous of all the law adherents. As to zeal, he persecuted those who did not follow the law, specifically Christians. And he has the audacity to make the claim that as to righteousness, he was blameless. Paul is saying if anybody could do it, it was me. But then he says, whatever I gained was loss, actually. He says, all of this stuff was refuse. The word literally means dung. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying that none of the things that we do can earn favor with God. None of the things that we would do today during the service or in the season of Lent are for the purpose of trying to earn favor with God. He says in verse 9, being found in him, in Christ, in union with Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he begins to talk about how we should strive. If you continue on in, the, in chapter 3, and I encourage you maybe to read it later, he talks about how we should strive. So it's not the case that we shouldn't strive. It's not the case that we shouldn't fast, that we shouldn't pray. And I would argue it's not the case that we shouldn't engage in spiritual symbols and signs like we're about to do. The point is that we, we don't do those things in order to curry favor with people or to show how good we are. And we don't do those things to try to earn favor with God because that's impossible. The good news is Jack Miller, Presbyterian pastor Jack Miller would say, the good news is you're a whole lot worse than you think you are. And why is that good news? Because it means that we could never, ever, ever bridge the insurmountable gap between God's holiness and, and our human imperfection. The good news is that Jesus Christ did that for us. And as we rest in his righteousness, in his sacrifice, then we respond in gratitude with, with good works, which as we read in Isaiah, serving those who are poor, serving those who are in prison, as Jesus says in Matthew 25, as we do works, uh, good works of spiritual practice and fasting and praying and abstinence. You know, we, we do those things out of gratitude for Christ. We do those things as an accentuated form of prayer uh, in, in, order, in order to cry out to God for, for his redemption, for his deliverance. I'm pulling up my phone because I want to read this poem to you. Angela posted this um, earlier today, and I, I just loved it, so I wanted to read it, read it to you. This is a poem 
um, by a lady, a Methodist minister named Jan Richardson. She says, this is a poem about Ash Wednesday. All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or be swept away by the smallest breath as insubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the day we freely say we are scorched. This is the hour we are marked by what has made it through the burning. This is the moment we ask for the blessing that lives within the ancient ashes that makes its home inside the soil of this sacred earth. So let us be marked, not for sorrow, and let us be marked not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are, but let us be marked for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which this world is made, and the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside the smudge we bear. Do you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? He can do amazing things. Let us come to Him and pray for our redemption and for our sanctification. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please rate and review us on your podcast service and share with anyone who may be interested. The intro and outro music for the New Life podcast is provided by Sandra McCracken with her permission. Please visit her website at sandramccracken.com. We'll see you next week.